you know, it, it's just easy to look to people to validate your life. But uh, it's easy to look at people for validation. And that's the wrong place to look. You need to look to God because he said he will validate your life with a clear light of day and stamp you with approval. God approves you, and he validates your life. Can you say amen? amen? I mean, if you want anybody to validate you, it's God. Today's title is Food for Thought. It really is. I titled it that, Food for Thought. That's why I mentioned food because... I probably shouldn't have because now you're going to be thinking about that. But, uh, you know, God longs for us to have a relationship with him. And Thanksgiving is a part of that. Thanksgiving is a part of a relationship that helps us to just be close to God, to be thankful. You know, if this is the bad. I've always thought, you know, when I was growing up and even later, you know, to hear Thanksgiving message because it reminds us and it's unfortunate, but we need to be reminded to be thankful. And I tell you what, this generation now, there's even more and more people that are just not thankful for, for what they have. And a lot of times, all of us, including myself, you, if you don't have something and for a while, it reminds you to be thankful. When we were missionaries in Africa, um, a lot of times we didn't have uh, running water. But uh, we never had a shower. We always had to take a bath. I hated baths. I always, you know, but that's, you just have a bathtub, no showers. So we, there's times that we didn't have running water that Melody would take a bucket and she would give me a shower, and uh, which... You know, after a while, I said, you know, that water needs to be heated up. Melody's a missionary. <laughs> Melody's a missionary to the bone. I was just a missionary on the surface level because I did not want. She could take cold showers, cold water. It doesn't matter. Of course, she drinks cold coffee, so you know what kind of person she is. But anyway, um, she's not in here, so I'm having a good time. But uh, I, when she would dump cold water. I mean, it just felt like it came straight from Alaska. I don't know how it got to Africa, but I would just shiver and turn blue and get goosebumps. It was terrible. So I remember when we came home to live in America, we went through Atlanta, Georgia, and when we got to Atlanta, um, we spent the night at a hotel there, and I remember getting in that shower. I got my money's worth. I think all the hot water heaters went out in that hotel because that was so hot, steamy. I mean, you couldn't see across the bathroom. It was just, but you know what I did that whole time? Thank you, God, for a hot water that comes out of a shower and not a five-gallon bucket. I kept thanking him, and I kept thanking him. But you know what? When I was in America the whole time, I never thanked God for hot water coming out of the shower. It's when you don't have it. It reminds you that I like it. So you need to be thankful for it. So, I mean, in America, to be honest with you, we, we are a spoiled generation. I mean, we have, when it's hot, you get uh, cool air. When it's cold, you get a heater. And uh, you get, uh, if you ever sit in a pickup truck and, and it has massaging seats, 
I'm going to have one. You can laugh all you want, but I'm going to have one of them one day. But anyway, I just thought we are just, and just let me say this. There is nothing wrong for those who think, oh, we shouldn't have nice things. I ruffle feathers when I talk like this. Who do you think they make those for? Hmm. I'll get back behind here. It's safer. (laughs) God is such a better God than what all of us think. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Luke 17, 15 through 19 says this. This is the story of the, the ten lepers that they cried out and... The story goes like this. One of them, a foreigner from Samaria, when he discovered that he was completely healed, he turned back to find Jesus shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, You are the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. So, where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Weren't there ten who were healed? They all refused to, turn, to return and give thanks and give glory to God except you, a foreigner from Samaria. And Jesus said to the healed man lying on his feet, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and healing. One translation says that made you whole. You know, there's speculation, and it is speculation. You know, when you have leprosy, you can lose a finger or you can lose a toe. It just deteriorates and it's gone. So the Bible says that this man was made completely whole. If he had seven fingers, he walked away with ten. If he had six toes, he walked away with ten. If he had one and three quarters of an ear, he walked away with two ears. He was whole. Thankfulness to the Lord. For who he is and what he's done is very important for our Christian walk and our Christian life. And so I'm just thankful that we need to be reminded from time to time to just be thankful. To be thankful for the simple things. You know, we concentrate on, oh man, I wish I wish I had that truck with massaging seats. But you know, I just got this old Ford here. You know, man, you be thankful for that old Ford. It's a lot better than walking. I said it's a lot better than walking. So sometimes you just you got to realize, you know, you, you want something that you don't have and you don't even give a rip or have gratitude for what you do have. God expects us to have a gratitude for what we do have so it can open up a door for what you don't have. The ten lepers were cleansed, but not all of them. Came back to return to give thanks. Only one out of ten. That is terrible. One out of ten. Ten percent. There's been just recently, you know, I, I've just, I know this when I'm preaching to you. Just because I preach it doesn't mean, oh, well, Pastor, he just doesn't have, he doesn't have any trouble with that area. <laughs> don't talk to my wife. You know, when things in life don't turn out the way that you hope they would be, or there's some things that you thought, I thought I would be here at this point in my life, 
and I'm so far from that. I'm talking to somebody besides myself, but you know, you can have such high expectations for your life and and dreams and visions for your life or or just expectations for your life and and you get to a point in life and said it, it's not happening. Not that it can't happen, but you expected it to happen by now. You know, some people, you know, there's some women, I thought I would be married by now. I thought I would have a house by now. I thought I would have children by now. I thought, I thought, fill in the blank. And it's not there. And so you have opportunity to be disappointed with your life. And the enemy will accommodate you. For those who don't really believe that there is a devil, there are devils and there are demons on this planet. They have no authority over anybody who is a believer. They are beneath our feet, but yet they can speak to your self And the enemy will try to stop you from expectation. And the greatest tool that he has to use against you and me is disappointment. Being disappointed. All of us have been disappointed. You know, and I'm not talking about going to McDonald's and coming, going home and open up your bag and the fries aren't there. Yeah, that's, but I'm talking a much higher disappointment. You understand? Although that does tick me off, just so you know. But anyway, um, being disappointed with things in life, even being disappointed where you think, God, I thought, you know, you would help me here, or I thought you would take me. I thought, I thought, I thought. And the, those disappointments can rise up to a point that if they're not dealt with, it causes you not to have any expectation in your life. The force of disappointment stops expectation in your heart, and if you continually go down that road, uh, it becomes discouragement. You just get downright discouraged. And if, if the discouragement's not dealt with, it can take you down a path called despair where you feel like there's no hope. You know, people who commit suicide, they go down that road to where they get disappointed, get discouraged, and they get to a place called despair where they feel like there is no hope. But for believers, the Bible says that there's always hope because we serve the God of hope. And where does the God of hope live? In us. Hope is always inside of you. I've been standing for 10 years. I've been standing for 20 years. I've been standing for 30 years. Yeah, you still have hope. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you still have hope. I'm always amazed when I read this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. It says this. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves. It's talking about the end times and Obsessed with money, they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. The, new, or the King James Version says it this way. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Aren't you amazed it has all of these lists of terrible things? And inside there, it just slips in unthankful. God puts unthankful in the same list as blasphemers. Because I don't want to be, I don't know about you, but I want to be in a list like that. Don't get me wrong. 
nobody on this planet is thankful to the degree that we should be. So we're not trying to put guilt on you. Are you here? We're not trying to put shame on you. But I just want to remind you. I want to remind myself. Because of this, you can get so focused. You know, if I, if I sit there and just get so focused on my problem, I'm just so focused on this, and I feel like this is the only thing that exists. But in my peripheral vision, I can see Tiffany, and I can see Benny there. So they exist. But in, as far as I'm concerned, this is what is existing now. Because I have tunnel vision, this is the only thing I'm looking at. This is what the devil wants you and I to do, to get so focused on what we don't have or what is not being accomplished in our life or everything that is going wrong. We get so focused on that, we have no idea of what's going on around us, and we act as if it does not even exist. It's a simple thing that all of us can fall into. Like I said, just recently, I just felt like I've been in that slump. It's kind of like a slump that you just get so focused on. I feel like there's something that I'm missing. I feel like I feel, I feel, I feel. And if you just keep going down that road, you just keep getting more discouraged and more discouraged and more disappointed and more disappointed until where you feel like, where is any hope and you throw up your hands and say God he's never left you nor forsake you he never has but being disappointed you feel like you know you there's nothing in you to be grateful for that is such a lie because I know you can get to a point where you're so ungrateful that it's almost like you're rejecting the grace of God on your life are you hearing me There is grace, abundant grace on each person that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because he is grace. He doesn't contain grace. He is grace. He is healing. He is prosperity. He is joy. He is life. He is kindness. He is those things. He is. He doesn't have a portion of that. That's all that he is. You say, well, how can one person be all those things? That's why we call him God. And the great thing is he lives inside of you. So you have all of that he is. And this is why he said, I am that I am. And I am lives inside of you and me. But we forget about all of the greatness, all of the joy, all of the hope, all of the grace that is on your life when you get focused on the problem. And you don't even realize that grace is available. There's all kinds of believers in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that that fell into. So the Bible is recorded with that. Job. Let's pick out the the good one that everybody likes to pick. Job. I mean, the dude had some trouble. And for the majority of the whole book of Job, the majority, Job and his friends spoke, and they spoke lies. If you don't believe me, take time to read Job chapter 42. Job says this. Everybody quotes Job, but nobody hardly quotes this part. I have spoken things that I know nothing about. That's what Job told God when he came face to face with God. But everybody likes to take, you know, quote, the Lord giveth 
the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that true he said that? Yes. Is it a true statement that he said? No, it is not. He put a disclaimer in chapter 42. (laughs) But he was discouraged. But you know what was great about Job in that scripture? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He praised God underneath that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He still praised God. So you got to hand it to God. To Job, even though, man, he, he said some things that were not true, he had enough of ability of knowledge of who God was that he still praised him no matter what. No matter what. Man, you got to hand it to a guy who praises God no matter what. And we should praise God no matter what. But the problem with Job is he was praising him because he thought he was doing this to him. But you know what? I'm going to praise him anyway. I believe that's what kept his nose, his one nostril above water, because he did do that. John chapter 6, verse 11 says this, Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. You know, it's a simple thing. There's no condemnation. There's times... You know, I've eaten my food and not given thanks. I don't know if you've ever done that. But uh, I've done that. But, man, I mean, we, to me, we should just be thankful for the food that you're getting ready to eat. Checking, testing, one, two. Can you sound thing just, I just feel like I'm... Words are just hitting me upside the head, bouncing off people's face and hitting me at my face. But anyway, it's, I think it's good to be thankful for what food you're I'm, I'm a, You can call me old school, but this is what Jesus did. He got the food of a little boy's lunch, and he raised it up, and he said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And he fed over 5,000 people with that. We say thank you after the 5,000 were fed, but he says, no, I'm thanking you before. And I'm telling you, know, you know, people are complaining about and there's all kinds of stuff in our food or whatever, you know, and, you know, yeah, there is. But, man, I'm going to be thankful to God that what, what I'm going to put in my body, it's going to be helpful and not harmful to my body. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Well, short. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, don't be pulled in different directions. Listen to me. I feel like when I put this scripture in here, it was speaking to somebody today. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing Gratitude. Tell him every day of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Praise is like guardrails on a road. 
You know, when we moved to Colorado, we, I was just amazed. You know, in Kentucky, if there's a ditch that's two feet deep, they have a guardrail. I come to, to the Colorado Rockies, and you can have a 9,000-foot drop-off with no guardrail. I thought, holy cow. What's up with this? Is that short? Uh, man, maybe they do need to raise our taxes because I want a guardrail over there. But then I found out, you know, they said, you know, the snow plows come and they want the snow to go off the 50 million foot cliff. I thought, well, that's if awfully thoughtful, but I think there's a better way. I don't know, but I'm just saying, I'm not criticizing the, the department of, where's, where's, I'm looking for Dwayne. He's in charge of all Southern Colorado Department of the Roads. But anyway, I was just going to get a jab. I like jabbing people. If you don't like to be jabbed, you, you may be uncomfortable in this church. But it's good to be jabbed every once in a while. But um, I just felt like, you know, this is what praise does. It keeps, you in the, it keeps you on the road. It may not keep you in the center of the road, but praise. It's like the guardrails on, on the road that keeps you from falling off. Praise on a daily, continual basis, being thankful for things, being thankful to God. I mean, when I, I, I've started doing this, you know, when you misplace your keys, you misplace your wallet, misplace your wife, misplace whatever you misplace, and, you know, and, and, and you just, when you find them, you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping me find them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just say, thank you, Holy Ghost. Just being thankful for little things. It just puts you in a, a frame of mind. It's the guardrails that keeps you from going over the edge, from thinking stupid. <laughs> Psalms 118.1. Keep on giving your thanks to God. Why? Why do we want to keep on giving our thanks to God? For he is so good. His constant, tender love lasts forever. You know, it, it's, it, to me, it's just astounding. You know, we, we know this, but we have to just keep reminding ourselves, you know. God is good. The devil is bad. So you can really easily categorize things in your life under those two headings. If you don't know, ask somebody who's under the age of 10, and they will tell you because they haven't been indoctrinated yet. Is cancer good or bad? Bad, Daddy. It's bad. Okay. You name any sickness to somebody who's under age of 10, and they'll say bad. You name sickness to people who've been taught that God puts sickness on, on people, they say, well, you know, God may be teaching me something. You know, we really don't believe that. And I can prove it. If you're going to a doctor and taking medication and you really believe that God put that on you, aren't you going against his will? Let's just think common sense. Let's throw religious thinking out the window. Let's just use our brain, that thing that God gave you. If you really, truly believe that God put this sickness on you to teach you, then why are you trying to get rid of it? We'll do the Jeopardy music. 
Dun, 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 dun. What is being stupid? <laughs> correct. That is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, now, if you're in here and that's the first time you heard that, I'm sorry that you get offended. But you know what? Sometimes it's just, you know when the first time, listen to me, the first time people usually hear truth, it causes offense before it causes them to be set free. First time you hear truth, so just remember that. So if you're here thinking, I am never coming back to this place again. That's okay. I've said that before too. But um, <clears throat> and my wife says I'm the pastor, so I have to. But anyway, this is the point. Truth can offend and cause you to be upset before you get the revelation that that will set you free. I'm going to help you out again. You know, people say, you know, I just know about, don't understand about, you know, the Bible says the believers lay hands on the sick and they what? Recover, which means they get healed. And people say, well, I just don't know. I just don't believe that. I just don't know about that or whatever. Let me just give you another bit of great insight. Everybody that you don't pray for is 100% not going to get healed because of what you did. I didn't explain that very well. 100% of people you don't put your hands on is not going to come to pass according to the word of God. You say, well, man, maybe what happened? You know, maybe they won't get healed. Well, if you don't put your hands on them, you, you can guarantee they won't get healed by you not doing that, by you. I'm really having a hard time trying to explain this. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Everybody, I need an interpreter. We had interpreters in Africa. It was so great, you know, because I speak, you know, for about three or four sentences, and then the interpreter would, you know, speak it in Swahili. And so that gave you time to think, like, okay, all right, I'm going to say this. But here in America, I don't have time to think, and so it just comes out. <laughs> so just suck it up and get the interpretation, all right? See how spiritual you really are. Where was I? <laughs> Laying hands on the sick. People say, well, I don't know if that works. Well, I can guarantee you it's not going to work if you don't lay your hands on the sick. But, you know, if, listen to me. If one out of a hundred worked, wouldn't it be worth that one? But there has to be a confidence in the God that is in you for you to do that so you can be a doer of the Word of God. So let's just start doing that as a church. Let's act like, what if the Word of God is true? What a thought. What a thought. What if the Word of God really is true, that believers can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? What if? What if that I can walk in love towards people? What if I can walk even as the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Jesus said that. I didn't. He said, you can walk even as I walk. He even said this. The things that I do shall you do also. Come on now. What if we start acting 
like the Word of God really is true. What amazing thought. What an amazing thought. I'm done, but I, I, there, there's one thing that I've got that I don't want you to raise your hand. But I felt like this week that I was minding my own business and I felt like the Lord spoke something to my heart about a woman. And the woman was, she had a sin in her past that was really bad. What that is, I don't know, but if you pull up 2 Corinthians 5.19, the New Living Translation, NLT. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. This is the thing. I just, God wants you to be set free. To, he stopped the whole service so you can be set free today. You know, God does that all the time. You look in the, in the, old, or in the Gospels, the well, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus stayed back behind to minister to that one woman. Anyway, this is what this said, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Is this the new... For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting. Okay, that phrase right there, no longer, I want us all to read it together when I say three. Ready? One, two, three. No longer counting people's sins against them. Do you need the interpretation of that? Anybody want to know the Greek interpretation? No longer counting people's sins against them. Is there a record in heaven of your sins? (laughs) I was at a funeral. Actually, it was Robert Lane, Bob Bob Lane, was that your dad's name, Bob? At his funeral, and I read this scripture there. Some gentleman, he must have been in his 80s, came up, and he had tears running down his face. And he said, I just thought God was taking a record of my sins all of my life and that I wouldn't be able to go to heaven because of it. Second Corinthians 5.19, that's not my opinion. Most of my life, I thought God was keeping a record of my sins. Kind of like Santa Claus, seeing if I was naughty or nice. Should be getting a bag of coal. And God says, I don't keep a list. So to the woman, the sin that you're hanging on to is not even been recorded in heaven. So why are you recording it in your mind? God wants you to be free today. I said, God wants you to be free today. And that's for anybody and everybody else. Honey, we all got skeletons in our closet. We all do. And the devil will always bring, open up the door and say, yep, it's still in there. Yep, it's still in there. Yep. And this is what God wants you to do. I don't see the skeleton. It's time you quit. It's time you quit opening the door. Because when I open the door, I see the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus doesn't cover your sin. It takes it away as if it never existed or happened. You say, well, it's just too good to be true. That's why it's called the gospel. (laughs) That'll set you free. 
You said, well, you know, is that just going to cause people to keep sinning? No. When you get a revelation of that, it causes, listen to me, it gives you strength to say no to sin. But if you keep yielding to, I'm a sinner, I keep yielding to the pain and the hurt of that sin, it keeps sin flustered up, and it's easy just to slide back into sin because you've just been conscious of that anyway. But if you get to a point to where God has forgiven you and cleansed you and washed you in his blood, it causes you to be strengthened to say no to any sin that comes up against you. It's called grace. Grace gives you the strength and ability to say no. Grace gives you the ability to walk in holiness. Grace gives you to to be righteous before God. And so as long as you're hanging on to a sin, the devil will accommodate you and cause that to be in full living HD color. You need to say, no, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. All of my sins are forgiven. And I forgive myself. So today, forgive yourself. Let's stand. Who does that for? Well, it's for everybody who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If you never made Jesus your Lord and accept him, the Bible says that if you believe that Jesus died for you, He was raised from the dead. You're saved. You're a believer. Did you know it doesn't even say? (laughs) This caused some controversy. In Romans chapter 10, it doesn't even say that you have to ask for forgiveness to be saved. Hello. I'm just saying it's not in the Bible that you have to ask. I'm not saying you don't, you shouldn't do that. You know, in other words, somebody's getting saved. Lord, forgive me. I said, no, stop it. Don't do that. I'm just saying the most important thing is taking hold of the revelation that Jesus became you, became sin. And he died. And he took that sin and nailed it to the cross. And he was resurrected. In a resurrected body and everything became new. So today, if you if that revelation, if that truth is never, you've never grabbed a hold of it, people on my right and your left, they'll come and we'll pray that today. And you'll walk out of here and you know that you're saved, that you're saved, that you're saved, that you're saved. Just believe God. It's the most easiest thing to do. And it's a faith thing. To believe. And guess what? From that point on, there will be a revelation that comes to you that all of your sins are covered, taken away. Your past, your present, everything that you will even do in your future, the blood of Jesus is taking care of that. And for those who don't believe that, that means Jesus has got to come back again and die on the cross again. The Bible says in Hebrews, he entered in one time. One time of Jesus in her end takes care of it all. Have faith and believe that. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, remind us of this message to be thankful. Remind us 
of the goodness of God in our life. Remind us of the word that it is true, that it is real, that we need to to walk in it, to believe it. I'm so thankful you said, Father, a righteous man can fall seven times, but he just gets back up. A righteous man can pray for somebody seven times. A righteous man can do this. A righteous man, the great thing is that causes us to be victorious. You said, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. How can you make that statement over us, God, when you see failures, weakness in our life? How can you make that statement? Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Because you don't rate us according to our ability, to our performance. You rate us according to what Jesus has done for us, in us, and through us. Help us to see that, God. We'll have more victory by accident than on purpose. Help us to see that. May your love consume people, a consuming love right now. May people sense it, feel it. We don't walk by feelings. I know that. But God, you you want us to experience your love. And one of those ways is that we can feel the love of God. So I pray for this church, for this people and everybody here in this, that they will actually sense and feel the love of God. And know that that love is real. It is real. The love of God is real to them. It's not a generic love. A God so loved the world, or God so loved the church, or so God loved. No, God loves me. Make that a real revelation to the people, Father, that we may experience your love. In Jesus' name, amen.